Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by AOL Radio at AOL.com slash podcasting. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 59 for September 28, 2006. Parallels. Security Now is brought to you by Astaro, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway. On the web at www.astaro.com. And by Dell. For this week's specials, visit twit.tv slash Dell. And by Visa. Safer, better money. Life takes Visa. Welcome to Security Now, episode... Now, I'm really confused. I think this is 59. It was going to be 58, but we uh, deferred it. Steve Gibson is on the line from Irvine. Hi, Steve. Hey, Leo. Great to be back with you. So uh, just a little, you know, behind the scenes here. We had finished episode uh, 58. Uh, we recorded it uh, in the middle of last week. Right. And uh, it was all about parallels. You're going to hear it in a minute. But what happened was there was a big security breakout all of a sudden. Right. And uh, one of the advantages of doing the show the way we do it uh, is that we can quickly change it. Yeah. So. Well, and it, it was great, too, because, you know, essentially you and I were ahead of the curve on on this. In fact, uh, I also jumped on to your KFI show on the weekend. And at that and time, com- there was very little coverage of it. Exactly. You, you commented at the time that, you know, it didn't seem to have picked up nearly as much press as we would have, ex- have expected. We're talking well, about the uh, the Windows uh, VLM or VML flaw, which, uh, which was a very serious flaw that allowed a malicious site using a kind of little-known graphics format called the vector markup language format to to infect any system arbitrarily, no matter how up-to-date its patches were. Well, yes, and you and I jumped on this because it had all the earmarks of something that was going to be just irresistible for the malicious hacker oh, community. Yeah. Well, it was already to, in the to, wild. It was already on dozens of sites. Well, actually, yes, and it, it spread very quickly through the end of last week and early this week. Um, it did exactly as we predicted. It appeared in mass emailings and spam. You know, basically, this has become a bit of a of a black industry now on on the, on the internet, where vulnerabilities, as I mentioned before, are sold as commodities because organized crime is getting involved and and trying to get this stuff installed on people's computers. You know, their their malicious code. So the the, the one bit of news that occurred uh, yesterday. Uh, actually, day before yesterday, was Microsoft recognized the severity of the problem, and and we were talking about how people may need to wait as 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 many as three weeks for the second Tuesday in October, October tenth, before the next monthly set of patches were rolled out. But Microsoft decided this thing was too too serious to wait, so they issued a one of their rare out of order or out of sequence, out of cycle uh, updates. So I just wanted to make sure that everyone listening. Had re- had received the news that Windows Update is now carrying the fix for this, the official fix. Now they're not. You know, it doesn't look like they're pushing it. At least I haven't. You you have to go get it, don't you? Because I haven't uh, seen it yet. 
Yeah, uh, in fact, if you run Windows Update on your machine, you will get the update, but um, I think it, it's it's being moved out re- relatively slowly. So I wanted to let people know, you know, our our best advice a week ago was to unregister the DLL. Applying this patch does not re-register it. So the proper sequence would be to go to Windows Update. Normally, you've got an entry there in the menu above your Start button. Run Windows Update. See that it's got the. It's giving you this updated vulnerability patch. It'll. It may require you to boot Windows. I had to, but I've heard reports that other people do not. It may be that the that, that XP doesn't need to, and Windows 2000, which I'm using does require a reboot. So reboot it if it asks you to, and then re-register the DLL. One cool thing also has happened, in, and that is that a third party has come up with a a both their own patch which we no longer need but with a a benign test page so what this allows people to do is to test that they are patched by displaying some some vector markup language rectangles red rectangles which won't display at all if the dll is still unregistered which will crash your browser if you're still vulnerable but benignly crash your browser it won't it won't hurt you in any way or will display them um, if you are patched and the DLL is registered. And I've got a link to that on the show notes from last week, the, that is the episode 58 show notes, where we had the instructions for unregistering your, your DLL. There's another interesting bit of information uh, that uh, we got. I got a number of emails about this. I think I forwarded them along to you. Uh, I think the first one was from uh, Ian Shane, who said that DEP... The, uh, the data execution prevention that's built into the new uh, Intel and AMD processors prevented this exploit. Well, yes, there, of course, are two flavors of DEP. There's hardware and software DEP. The, the newer processors support hardware um, uh, execution prevention so that and this is what the, the, this is what we were talking about in our in our episode talking about buffer overruns. Essentially, this buffer overrun is on the stack. And so code is executing in the stack that should only be containing data, which means if Windows is told not to allow the stack to be executed or executable, it will raise an exception. That is, it, it'll essentially detect that this is going on and say, hey, wait a minute, something's fishy somewhere. So both hardware and software DEP do catch and did catch for, for some people the, the this VML exploit. The earlier Windows Metafile exploit was not caught by software DEP, only by the more advanced and capable hardware DEP. Now, for hardware DEP to work, you have to have a processor that supports it, one with NX or X, uh, XD capability, I guess. Uh, yes. And, uh, one is AMD uh, and one is uh, Intel's uh, nomenclature. Yes, and, and certainly all, all new processors do that and, and will be doing that. Right, right. Um, it, the, the capability exists in Service Pack 2 of XP, although it's not enabled by default because it does create some 
some false positive problems. You're able to enable it per process or sort of globally, and normally it's not on. Some people who have turned it on have then dealt with, you know, needing to create exceptions when right. it false positives for them. So, you know, it certainly is useful, and for anyone who was using it already, they were, they were always protected from uh, any exploitation from this VML vulnerability. Isn't that interesting? It's just, you open the system uh, properties control panel, you click the advanced tab, you click the uh, performance button, and then there's a tab uh, on XP Service Pack 2, and later says data execution prevention. By default, it says turn it off for essential Windows programs and services only. I take it I need to turn it on for all of them. Then. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I'm going to click that button right now and uh, hope it doesn't crash our uh, recording. <laughs> well, and, 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 and of course, the, 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 the reason is that, that the, the, the way this all operates is that that DLL is loaded uh, into the context of IE, and so it, it may be running as, as with, with administrator privileges right. or as a limited user privilege or, or whatever. So you, you really want the most comprehensive protection you can get there. Right. Well, that's really good news. Uh, and uh, I think it was George Wu and uh, uh, the Tech Republic's uh, technical director who writes for a, a blog for ZDNet on security. A very good blog, I think, was the first to note this. But uh, it's worth noting that it's worth turning on DEP. And certainly, if you buy a new hardware, make sure you've got a processor that's a hardware DEP capable. Well, I think we did the right thing by breaking our format and getting to that story uh, early. But it does uh, did put off uh, what we're about to talk about, which is uh, virtual machines. Well, we thought we were going to be done with, with virtual machines, but we're not. Okay. Parallels. Oh, the new parallels. I've, well, I've I've drilled down completely into both the Mac and the 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 Windows sides. Oh, good. And I and you know because you you had mentioned it'd be nice if you know I took a look at that sometime, yeah. and I thought, look, better now than later because good. right right now I have all this in my head. Right. I've got the, I've got I've got machines with known performance. I've been comparing. Uh, well, and the good news is parallels outperforms everybody else. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't mean, tell me all the good news. I want to. No. Hear no. No. I won't. Cool. <laughs> all right. We'll here we go. keep it fresh. Here we and go. And I want to. Oh, and also, uh, uh, just so you know where where we're headed, I also want to talk a little bit about intellectual property and patents because it turns out a hunch I had paid off. Um, the reason that VMware has some features nobody else has is they locked it up yeah. with intellectual property. Ah, very interesting. And and so, you know, I'm as you know, I'm moderately hostile to the notion of of the patent office giving away this property which is just engineering. Right. So I thought it'd be fun right. to talk about that a little bit. Too. Good. Good. And do you want to start with uh, that, or do you want to just have that in the body of it, or do you have anything to catch up on or anything like that? Uh, nothing to catch up on, so we'll okay. just say, you know, what what are we talking about? Okay, this is Security Now, episode 58 for September 21st in 3, 2, 1. Time to talk with our virtual security expert. He's not virtual, he's real, but he talks about virtual security and many other things. Steve Gibson, Hello! Hello, Leo. Actually, we are going to talk about virtual stuff again. Well, yes. You know, it's funny. We, uh, I thought I was doing a wrap-up of the whole virtual machine topic last week. In fact, but- you wanted me to name it the wrap-up, and instead I named it Virtual PC because that's what you talked about, and I'm glad because yeah, well- there's more to say. Well, it, it's it, it's interesting because you had mentioned that it would be nice if I sometime took a look at Parallels, which is right. the, the 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 third 
you know, major commercial virtual machine offering in the industry. A a bunch of people wrote in asking the same thing. It's like, gee, Steve, you know, now we know how virtual PC and VMware compare, but what about parallels? You know, I mean, there it is. And and so I thought, you know, better now than later. I've got machines with known performance you know, right, memory right, and right. so forth that I've been comparing the performance of the other guys with. That's, you know, that's always a moving target. That's going to change in a couple of years. So I won't really have that reference. I've got all of the the specifics of this stuff in my head right now. So, you know, better now than later, especially when people were saying, hey, you know, what about it? And Parallels just came out with they're at version 2.2. They're at the release candidate of 2.2 for their for their PC side virtual machine platform, which 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 achieves like sort of the last little bit of icing on the cake. I mean, it's some additional really nice features. So I thought, okay, let's just we'll do one more on looking at at parallels what it offers how it compares to the others so that we've you know really got the topic covered you know as as sort of a checkpoint at this point in time yeah you know it's funny cuz i had never heard of uh parallels i was very familiar with virtual pc and vmware and i only heard about it as an alternative to run windows on a mac and so that's pretty recent uh, but they, they're not new. They've been around for a while, I gather. Well, yes, they, they have been around for a while. Where did they and in come fact, from? Um, I don't know what their lineage is. Um, one thing I want to say, though, before we get into this in more detail, is that um, something, and, and it's, it's, it's significant, I was talking about the differences between virtual PC and VMware's offerings right. and about the VMware server, which is free, um, and it has been, I guess, only since August. So this is a pretty recent development that VMware Server mm-hmm. has, has been made free mm-hmm. um, versus VMware Workstation, which is certainly not free. VMware Workstation is $189. So it's a, you know, it's a substantial chunk, just shy of you know, $200 right. for their, their traditional workstation platform. Remember that I said last week that the one of the major failings of server was that it lacked both sound and USB support. Well, that was wrong. It to, um, what happens is when you initially create a a VMware server virtual machine, they offer you a bunch of sort of default I/O devices. And in Workstation, because it has a Workstation profile, that includes, by default, your sound and USB devices. Well, they're there in server, but they're not populated by default because the VMware server product, which is the free one, is sort of more oriented towards servers where they assume you're not going to be needing sound and be plugging USB things in all, all the time. That makes sense. So it turns out that when you're creating this the virtual machine over on the VMware server side, there's a right then there's a button below that says add, which allows you to add other things in addition, for example, serial and parallel ports, additional hard drives, additional CD-ROMs and other stuff. And you can add sound and USB at the same time. So uh-huh. it really 
Yes. So it, it really does. It it makes the server, the free server offering from VMware, substantially more appealing. You don't have to pay one eighty nine over on the workstation platform to get sound and USB support. So I wanted to really clarify that mistake that I made in last week's podcast because you know it it means that the free version can be useful for people who do want and need sound and, and USB support. All right. So that's in virtual PC or no, no, no that's VMware, the free the free version of VMware. The the, the, the so called server version. Okay. Um so I, I decided okay, let's take a look at parallels. Well parallels is is this, you know, is a completely separate offering from a company called Parallels. And they're, you know, they're just www.parallels.com on, on the net. Um, they've got um, a workstation, oh, that is a PC works, workstation platform, which very much like VMware is actively friendly to Linux. Whereas we'll remember that Microsoft's virtual PC offering is is almost openly hostile to anything that is not Windows, which is, you know, that not... Sense. That's it's not Exactly. It's not surprising that that's the case coming from Microsoft. So VMware and Parallels are both absolutely happy and solicitous of installing non-Windows things. They support... Every flavor of of Unix, you, I mean, of of Linux, you can imagine, um, uh, FreeBSD, OS2, Warp, um, Suns, Solaris. I mean, virtually any, virtually any operating system of a non-Windows nature, and of course, all of the Windows platforms as well. So, so you really do have, you know, again, for people who are interested in experimenting with with other operating systems and using the virtual machine as a as a platform, that really makes sense. Now, the the offerings are not free; they're forty nine dollars for either the Mac version or the the Intel P, the sorry the Intel Mac version or the Intel PC version are are forty nine dollars. So it's about a quarter the cost, well, a little more than a quarter the cost of the VMware workstation version. Um, I think but, they raised the price, by the way. I think it's now seventy nine. Let me. Uh, let me go look. Really? Yeah, it was forty nine in the uh, pre-release when you were, if you wanted to buy the Mac version before it was out officially. But now it's seventy nine ninety nine uh, for the Parallels desktop for Mac. Okay. Still. A lot cheaper. The PC version is forty nine ninety nine. Okay, that that's. Correct. I don't know why they charge more on the Mac side, but they do. Well, probably because there's less competition there. Yeah, and you know, and I mean, a lot of desire. It was, you know, it was pretty cheap. I bought it in the pre-release, uh, and it was. It, I think it was then. It was. It was forty nine or less. Anyway, it's worth eighty bucks. I think it's a very good well. Thing. What's really interesting is performance. It outperforms both of the other big guys. Really. Parallels on the on a on a on a Intel PC platform for its forty nine dollars, which has complete sound and USB support and everything else you want. It is faster to install Windows, and Windows runs more smoothly in Parallels on a PC than does VMware or Virtual PC from Microsoft. And you are testing the new two point 
2.2 version? Or yes. The, okay. Yes, I, I, I was using the 2.2 version because it was at release candidate at this point, and I figured it was, you know, I mean, if I had a problem with it, that would be one thing. But it ran smoothly with no trouble at all. Now, they also offer something that nobody else does, which, which is not free. I think it's another $49, and they call it um, their their um, virtual machine compressor. Yeah, I've seen that, and I'm trying to think if I need it or not. Well, it's interesting. It does a really good job over on a Windows side. In fact, I was really impressed. Um, I should step back a minute and talk about something in all of these virtual machine products that we haven't addressed before, and that's the notion of of a fixed-size virtual disk versus an expandable or expanding one. Because the the virtual disk is hosted in in the host machine's file system it looks just like and it is just another file well as we know files are able to grow you know actual physical hard disks can't they're whatever size they are but but files in a file system are inherently able to grow so everybody parallels vmware and microsoft's virtual pc they've got this notion of you don't have to pre-allocate a blob of space on your file system to 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 represent the virtual disk if you don't want to you can you can instead sort of decide well we'll start at a gig and as or whatever size and as we need more we'll just allocate that space growing the virtual disk on the fly yeah which i think is fantastic i mean well Yes, it, it's, it's fantastic. Though th- there are some trade-offs to this, from a, from a you know f- from my standpoint, you know, sort of a uh, assembly coding <laughs> hardcore techie, the idea of of doing that and doing it efficiently sort of makes my skin crawl. Because, so you mean, I mean there'll be a wasted uh, time resizing the disk and so forth? Or? Well, and fragmentation, because right. you're, you're going to be... Inherently, any file which is growing in a file system that's got other files growing, they generally end up running into each other, and that's where fragmentation comes from. So what you'd optimally like to do would be for example to defragment your host's file system to get all of its you know to 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 get all of its files contiguous and compress them so that there's no empty space in between files then you'd create a virtual disk which is one single large contiguous piece of 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 hard disk space in the host's file system and that would tend to give you overall much better performance. And in fact, th- that's exactly the way the, 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 any of our paging files or our swap files operate. They sit there and, I mean, they really want to be a fixed size. Now, it is the case that Windows does a sort of the same sort of thing with its paging file. But everyone who knows how to optimize Windows performance deliberately uh, – 
keeps Windows from increasing and decreasing the size of its paging file. You just admit you always when you're setting up Windows, you you set it to a fixed size, set the minimum and maximum size to the same value, so Windows is never able to change it, and it does a substantially better job because it's not then the paging file is not then mixing itself in with all the other files on the file system. Now, can't you also do that with uh, these virtual machines? Can't you say I don't want a growing size uh, disk. I want a static sized disk. Exactly. And in fact, so I wanted to talk about this this dynamic or growing option and explain that in fact, the intuition about this sort of being a performance hit is exactly on the money. They all say you you can use a dynamic size disk, but it will give you lower performance than laying out a fixed size disk from the beginning. And there are there are substantial optimizations that the virtual machine can do in if it knows that this disk is not going to be changing size, it's able to like 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 predetermine where the pieces are and make its accesses into the file system substantially faster. So it's not merely defragment or fragmentation that's the issue. It is it's just inherently inefficient. Yes, it, it, it's a it's a convenience that comes at a cost. Now, uh, so, did you benchmark the two different ways of doing it? I mean, is it does it in fact hit the speed? Yes, um, I didn't benchmark so that I, so to the degree that I have a, an exact number, in, like in terms of relative performance. But you can you can feel that things are slower, especially on a system that 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 has you know less than RAID five screaming. SATA drives. I mean, it, you, you can see more disk performance and it's, it's clearly slower. But all of this comes back to this compressor program, which is interesting from Parallels, because it will compress to varying degrees any of the virtual machines of any of these manufacturers. It'll, it will work with Microsoft's virtual PC and um, VMware's products as well as their own, and the results are very impressive. For example, I set up over on uh, on my uh, Intel platform the, the uh, standard PC. I set up a four gig fixed partition in which I installed Windows XP, did all the security updates. Um, uh, re- you know, registered it with Microsoft, got it all up and going, you know, and 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 all tuned up. Then you can you can convert um, with uh, with parallels. You're able to convert a a, a static um, image into one of these dynamic images and back and forth. Oh, so that's nice. It, it really is nice. Um, one of the things, one of the reasons you do that is if you want to compact this, for example, to make it more portable, the the dynamic disks naturally compact a great deal more because they're not establishing, for example, in this case, a four gig footprint that says, okay, right. I, I am, you know, this four gigs is all of my virtual disk. There's lots of slack space in there. It's not, that's not used. So you just take that out. Well, exactly. And in fact, you know, people are used to laying up, you know, 
80, 100, 120 gig drives and installing XP into it. I'm, you know, being old fashioned and and remembering the days when we had, you know, 20 megabyte drives. Um, I'll often create a four gig partition to hold XP and then move all of the um, media files or other stuff I'm doing into its own partition so that I'm able to make reasonable size backups or images of just the the XP partition. So in this case, I created a 4-gig partition and installed XP into it, a 4-gig parallels partition, converting it from a static a static drive to parallels dynamic drive the you know the the variable sizing drive brought that 4 gigs it was actually 4096 megabytes you know binary megabytes um, brought it down to 2406 then running their compressor on it brought it down to to 1028 megs so just over one gig and then wow. what's very yeah i mean it's very so it, very huge reduction is it actually compressing like zip would compress or no it, i mean what it does is it sort of it, it squeezes out the air from the file <laughs> but it's it, it's still completely usable you're able to use it you're able hmm. to mount it and boot hmm. it but what's very cool is then Ex- uh, exiting from the virtual machine that is shutting it down and zipping it, which you know basically containerizes it, of course, brought it down to 417 megs. So almost, Whoa. yeah, <laughs> that's, that's al- a tenth the size. It's a tenth the size. Of, of what it originally now, was, you and, wouldn't leave it like that, would you? I mean, uh, you'd well, you couldn't, you couldn't use you couldn't it use like it. that. Yeah. but you can transport it, and See, that's I'm, what I'm I, really interested in. That because I'm, I just got a new Mac Pro, and I want to move my parallels over to the Mac Pro, so I wouldn't have. Yes, to, and I made a 10 gigabyte parallel, so I would like to just compress the heck out of it. That's great. Yes, and and so is so, that, as, but is it worth 50 bucks to do that? I mean, is it, now, well, first of all, for you got a free demo. So you're able you're oh, able to to give it a it try yeah. and exactly see 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 what 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 you know essentially what what exact operation you get from it. It's also the case that zipping even the non-compressed one certainly did reduce it in size. Um, I didn't write down the number, although I did that experiment, and it brought it way down. You'd expect so, it to, because it knows about you know a string of zeros, you know, empty space, and it would compress that very efficiently. Exactly. Although I've got to say that what their compressor does, and the reason it's cross-platform, that is, the reason it's able to compress a a, a VMware and a virtual PC, and I, I watched it carefully, what it was uh, as it was operating, and it's got a ton of features. It's it looks like an ISO. That well, it, it is uh, an ISO. It's, an file. Sure. it's a C. It's a CD image. So you and See, you're now, able. If you can get it that small, you might even be able to burn it to a CD. Well, 417 megs fits on just, I mean, Perfect. a standard CD. Perfect. And you, and you could imagine installing a bunch of more applications. I mean, now, this, this was a recently installed and set up XP that didn't have Office installed and, you know, all the apps and other stuff. Certainly, that would tend, up, that would tend to make the resulting, the resulting compressed one substantially bigger. But, you know, here we are. I mean, it was a fully finished, configured wow. Fully updated XP at 417 meg, and Parallels itself is not very big. You could put this 
and parallels <laughs> and your registration information on a CD wow. or even on a 500 and K a 500 um, a 512 meg dongle and have a, a oh. basically a portable installable running Windows Good XP point. that you that you're able to put wherever you are. Now the compressor is Windows and Linux only, but I could run it on I could take my little thing and put it on my Linux machine and compress it there. There also. Now um but but, but getting back to what it does is it's very interesting. It 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 is it mounts as an ISO, so that's how it's able to get into any of these virtual machines. They're all they're all able to mount images, and then and they they look like as, CD-ROMs. As a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They appear as a CD-ROM, and then, and then it executes as a CD-ROM, even though it's actually just an image file, an ISO image that's of the CD-ROM. How I installed Win- Windows and Parallels for some reason it couldn't read my disk, but I just made an ISO of the disk and it installed from that ISO. Very you just mount very and you, just, you just mounted the ISO. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, so what this thing does is it knows all about ways that windows wastes space it knows about you know downloaded stuff you no longer need it knows about your temporary internet folders it knows about your your windows temporary space it knows about you know all kinds of things it it even does some registry compaction it it really knows about what windows is doing and and i mean just squeezes it to pieces um so so that it's it's substantially smaller than it was before now let me ask you a question and I, you may not know the answer to this but this is this this really is it, it been bugging me if i authenticate windows in in this virtual machine and then move, <laughs> you know where i'm going yep. Yep. and then i move yep. it over to another machine is the virtual machine the same does it look the same to uh, microsoft or is it a new machine it's the same so I was I could, wondering. Oh wow! Yep, I was wondering the same thing myself. <laughs> this is and great. In fact, it really, it really is nice. Um, I mean, you know, you're the owner, you're the user. It's your licensed copy of Windows. Why shouldn't you be able to run that one? It's not like you're running, you know, you know. Uh, oh, but it means, for instance, I can move it to. I have it on my laptop. I can put it on my desktop, and I can run it there. I don't have to reauthenticate. And if I trash it, I throw it out, and I have another duplicate copy now only 400 megabytes and i restore it from that and i'm back to where i was with no authentication involved yep no windows genuine advantage bogus yep it's it's great it's really interesting too because xp bit me very early on one of the things that i have always enjoyed doing actually before i was i started using vmware workstation as much is i would i would create one one install for example of windows 2000 and make an image of it then using partition magic i chop a big drive up into multiple you know four gig partitions maybe have 20 of them and then i would i would i would unimage my my image into each of those partitions creating basically you know little clone four gig bootable windows 2000 installations and 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 then i would 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 boot them in turn and install different software um, for example this is the way i used to be testing firewalls and things perfect yeah well, they, they're completely intact and you don't they're you they're identical and, exactly. and you could start over at any point with an identical system Exactly. Well, Windows XP immediately put a halt to that. Oh. The, the moment you know I, I i did the whole thing, i unpacked it into a new partition and said wait a minute. Uh this is a new world. I need to reauthenticate. Right. Every time. And it's like, oh! Every time. Yeah. 
Well, um, packaging them in virtual machines avoids that problem. So it, the the MAC address is the same. The uh, the all the hardware looks the same, and it's very generic. That's the another advantage you mentioned this earlier that it, that it, you know you don't have ever ever hardware compatibility issues because it's all very generic. Well, and it's it's absolutely the true. It's absolutely true that that using this kind of virtualization hides. I mean, it hides it perfectly. It must hide from, the MAC address. It must have a, a common MAC address then. Well, actually, it's got a it's got a completely virtual adapter, which is not even the same make or model right. as any of your external adapters. Right, right. So it's it, it is absolutely creating an adapter. And I, you know, I'm sure this is a benefit which is not often spoken of and advertised. <laughs> no, but it's very convenient. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it'd you know, be great for me. I mean, I bought. I went out and bought a full bore copy of Windows for three hundred bucks. I'd like to be able to install it uh, in a virtual machine on two different machines. I'm never going to use it at the same time. Right, and there's only one of you. There's only one of me. It's the same copy of Windows. I'm not giving yep. it to anybody. This would be a great convenience. I haven't yet taken the Mac Pro out of the box, but I will uh, do some benchmarks before next week. Well, because this and, is a and, quad processor, uh, you know, it's a Woodcrest. Uh, it should it should run very nicely, and I got four gigs of RAM, so I'll be able to allocate a full gig to, or more to uh, Windows. And so, well, that's a very that's a very good point too. I, w- I want to make sure people understand that we've been talking about virtual machines. I haven't talked about the their consumption of resources explicitly, but the this all of this virtual machine stuff is extremely resource hungry. Basically, when you're running a virtual machine, you are taking a chunk of RAM from your main machine. And we all know our main machines need all the RAM they've got. You're taking a chunk of RAM completely away from your host machine and giving it to the virtual machine. So it's very much the case that you know these are RAM hungry games that we're playing. Oh yeah, and so and so yeah, four gigs. I mean, you know, it's a good thing that the RAM cost has come down <laughs> as much as it has. Yeah, because you know, for for people who want to really play with virtual machine technology, RAM is is the is the asset which is most quickly consumed. I I can't say what it's like on Windows, but on a Mac. Running Intel, two gigs is the minimum. You need a gig for the Mac OS and a, and a gig for uh, the uh, Windows right. OS. And uh, it, it, actually, you end up allocating maybe something more like 900-some megabytes to the Windows OS. But it, it runs very nicely when you have that well, RAM. Well, let me tell you, um, you, rem- you will we'll remember that when I got this MacBook Pro, I immediately thought, well, what am I going to do with a Mac? Uh, aside from using it for the intended purpose, which was to, to do some iChat. Um, so I immediately installed Boot Camp, chopped the drive in half. Remember, it was an 80-gig drive. Right, I chopped right. it into two 40-gig partitions. Um, wait a minute. No. I think I initially – I 10 I, is the default, so you might have done yeah, 10, I, I, 10 well, no, 70. I, I, I'm sure I did at least 40. I was thinking maybe I gave Windows even more than half <laughs> because I thought, I'm never going to use this Mac. Oh, you so, bigot, you. <laughs> so I, I set up Boot Camp, installed XP, you know, used it, got a, a feel for it, and as I began to be more familiar with the Mac, I, I would kill off Windows and move the partition further and further over so that, you know, Windows was getting less and less memory until finally it's it's gone completely. There's no more Boot Camp. <laughs> but the with Mac Parallels, has, you can still run Windows. You, you, you can use the Mac, and whenever you need Windows, it's there. I mean, well, I, that's where I'm heading with this, Leo. Yeah. I can tell you now... I that there is no perceptible difference 
Wow. In, in I mean none in running Windows XP under parallels in a virtual machine, especially if you go full screen. I mean, even if you window the windows in the Mac screen, it still is incredibly smooth. It is better on on this Mac Pro, actually, than it is over on my PC, that is, Parallels is, although the PC only has a gig of memory, and it's got, got a two-gig processor, so it's, a, it's, a, it's not the Pro Duo, you know, triple scoop machine that the Mac Pro book pro has but it is if you if you window it you there is i can tell no difference between it and when i was booting windows xp natively through boot camp it, it is it is an absolute solution that is parallels is for for people with a, a strong macbook that want to run windows at the same time yeah i i have been very happy but i'm really glad to hear that it is as fast because that's that's really encouraging and I can't just, wait to see how it runs on this uh, on this giant dual Xeon. I mean, this should be fantastic. I mean, it should be as good as my Windows machine. Yeah, I I I would I would challenge anyone to do a side by side comparison. I will and I determine will. determine whether it's XP's booted natively or running in a yeah. in a window. And also, Parallels has complete support for both the Intel VT and the AMD. Um, next generation virtualization technology is already in parallels, so you are getting the advantage of 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 the latest virtualization technology being leveraged in there. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's you know as we've been talking about over the last few weeks, it's it's really neat technology that has that has totally matured now and is usable. And really, any serious computer user should be should be using one of these solutions. Well, and I mean, these are heavyweight solutions. And, I, and I'll remind people that if all you really want is browser containment or email containment, that a, a program that we talked about, you know, Sandboxy, right. is, is still a, a really nice alternative. It is much lighter weight, doesn't have the RAM consumption stuff and so forth. But for, for ultimate security and for experimenting with other operating systems, for example, Windows on a Mac, Linux on a PC where you want to install. Oh, I mean, free BSD, you know, anything runs in these virtual machines. Now, one feature is sort of, I, I noticed it wasn't, it, well, it, it, it wasn't present in parallels that it's something that the VMware guys have always had. And it's the notion of checkpointing your system in 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 the workstation product, the $189 VMware workstation, they've got some ex- some extensive capabilities that allow you to, for example, create a checkpoint in time, which you're able to come back to easily if something damages uh, one of your virtual machines and it's very useful for software testing you 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 could be you know single step debugging and get to a point where you're afraid you might lose control of the machine in the debugger make a checkpoint in the virtual machine and know that you're able to you know virtually turn back the clock to exactly that point also in VMware, I mean, there are some fancy things they've got. For example, you, you, you're able to, to create a disk which is sort of the reference and always 
reboot with the same one so that any changes made to it on the fly are not retained. You're also able to use a single disk and then branch from it other virtual machines whose, uh, where only the changes to that reference disk are maintained separately wow. you know so that wow. you don't have so so you're not you know you don't you don't need to create for example you know multiple 10 gig files each in a virtual machine you can create one as the reference and then you're able to create other virtual machines branching off of that master copy mm-hmm. some very fancy things those are missing in their server product they do allow you to have a checkpoint but only one and you're able to come back to that checkpoint, whereas under the workstation you have you have multiple checkpoints. Well, it was interesting that 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 feature isn't in Parallels nor in Virtual PC. Microsoft has a a, a cloning notion, but not all this fancy stuff. And it was I was thinking about. Well, you know, maybe in the next version we would get that because, you know, it's another feature that would be nice. And then I had a hunch. It's like, wait a minute, you know, I remember seeing a long list of patent numbers <laughs> over on the VMware site <laughs> and in, in, the, in the about box. And so I did a little bit of research. And sure enough, I mean, for example, well, th- these guys are patent happy. The VMware guys are. Well, now um, we know why. <laughs> There's certainly uh, been a business advantage for them. Well, filed back in October of, of 98 is, uh, you know, uh, patent 6397242, which is titled Virtualization System, including a virtual machine monitor for a computer with a segmented architecture, mm-hmm. which sort of sounds like a generic description of virtual machine technology. Well, that's interesting. And, uh, I'm surprised then that uh, we're seeing so many competitors. Well, the problem is that there are limits to what you can patent because some of this is just is fundamental technology. Right. Some stuff. I mean, if it's built into the processor, you can't very well claim you you got it exclusively. Well, exactly, and as we were saying, as Intel and AMD are putting more native virtualization support into the hardware, which of course is what all the blue pill stuff was that we talked about a couple weeks ago. As that's happening, these early advantages are being lost. Well, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, (laughs) ten, eleven, twelve. Yes, I'm counting (laughs) patents. Thirteen (laughs) thirteen patents. And I got down as I was doing this research to six Seven nine five nine six six filed in February on February fourth of two thousand, and it was issued on September twenty first of two thousand four. Yeah. Get this: mechanism for restoring, oh. porting, replicating, and checkpointing yep. computer systems using state extraction. Yeah, well, there you and go. The, the abstract of the patent says a computer system is interrupted and its entire state information is extracted as one or more checkpoints at one or more respective points during operation of the system. The checkpoint may be restored into the system at any later time, even multiple times, and it may also even be loaded into one or more other systems. All systems loaded with the same checkpoint will then execute from the same checkpointed state. The state extraction mechanism is preferably a virtual machine monitor on which one or more virtual machines are installed, each virtual machine constituting an encapsulated virtualized computer system whose states can be checkpointed under control of the virtual machine monitor. Mm. Checkpoints may be stored on a portable memory device 
or transmitted as a batch or dynamically over a network so that even virtual machines installed at different sites may execute from the same state. That's a patent. Yeah. And they pretty much sounds like they've locked that down. Yes. That's why I don't, you're not seeing it in other programs. I don't think we're going to see that. That's why you paid and, $189, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. I mean, that's... Basically, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. They have a patent on this. Clearly, this is something that is is cool technology. They, but, they got but here's the thing. I mean, if if you need it, it's cool. And certainly, if you're a programmer or you're doing, you know, you're messing with the system or probably a lot of things you do, that's great. But to me, raw speed is what I'm looking for. I want just a standard Windows system that gives me the best speed. And I'm glad you said that, Leo, because Virtual PC from Microsoft and Parallels from Parallels, these are still completely usable systems. In fact, although they can't and don't call it, well, I guess they could call it a checkpoint, but in Parallels, you can, they have have UI support for cloning disks. So you're able to create one. You can always set a point by cloning it, basically. Exactly. Exactly. It's not That would be a good idea. As you do your install and build, you clone it several times if you've got the hard drive space so that you can you know you can have a, a, a basic system with just windows and one with all of office installed and so forth that would actually be useful to me well and in fact it, it would solve the problem that i had that i you i solved with vmware workstation which i had already owned so you know right. i'd already paid i already paid the money where i have about about 15 different um, Windows XP systems, all with different fire software right. firewalls right. installed. So you go right up to the point of installing the firewall. Yep. You checkpoint it, and then you can make fifteen different clones. Well, or you clone it. Right. And and then you you just you just rubber stamp out these clone oh, copies. I can't wait to play with this. And then and then you switch among them. I'm so, gonna need a bigger hard drive in that machine. Oh, I had, you know, sorry, and, I, had to, I had to tell them to get a bigger <laughs> I, I want more copies of Windows. <laughs> well, yes, you do need memory, and certainly you, uh, a bigger hard drive. Get, you know, all these little virtual machine checkpoints or clones give you, you know, something to do with all that hard drive space right, yes. that, that you've got left around. And then, of course, managing them becomes a problem because it's like, wait a minute, where's the copy of the whole world oh, that, I, that, cool? that I... It's like a toy chest. Well, let's see. Today, shall I launch BSD, Linux, Windows XP, ME? Oh, I can't decide. Yes, and it, I mean, it really does allow you, I mean, how, to to save what it is you were doing. Many times, right. I'll, I'll set up a system and say, well, okay, I probably don't, I'm not going to need this again. I'll reformat the drive. A couple of weeks later, it's like, oh, uh, I wish I had yeah, that still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this allows you to save those states, save those experiments in, on drives, which are now so inexpensive and so large. Well, and it's a good argument for spending the 50 bucks on compressor. Does VMware have something comparable to compressor? Uh, no. That's a nice feature, because if you do have you know 20 different builds, to get them down to a reasonable size uh, makes a lot of sense. Yes, VMware does have the notion of... Well, okay, I said they don't have anything comparable to compressor, which is true, but they do have all these. Well, the VMware workstation has all these other features. For example, that that if I had a single master copy of Windows that I then wanted to branch off 15 instances to install different software firewalls, I mean, that would be very efficient. Because I would then have one single master copy. If all I'm doing is installing 15 different software firewalls, you would imagine that the forks 
from that master copy would each be relatively small, not 15 more sets of the entire hard drive. Right. So, right. so it is the case that the VMware workstation, as you said, that's what you're getting for your 189, right. is you're getting something that they patented um, starting you know six years ago and got the patent two years ago that, that allows them this kind of flexibility that nobody else is able to copy. You, you, you know, I, I, it's funny because uh, if you do a cooking show, you, you get very hungry sometimes and you just can't wait after the show to run out and eat. <laughs> I, this is the first time in a geek show I've gotten just, I cannot wait to start playing with this. I'm just excited about this, this notion. And, you know, the timing is right with, with, with release candidate one of Vista and uh, presumably a new release candidate soon and a ready to manufacture and a final release. Uh, I don't mind testing Vista now because well, uh, I yes. can do it safely. Yes, you can do it safely. You've got, as we talked about before, the notion of running Vista in a in a system where even Windows XP runs more sluggishly. I would have a problem with that because Vista, by all reports, is a <laughs> massive <laughs> slowpoke. So, so, but you know, over on the Mac, on, in parallels. XP runs as fast as it does natively. I mean, I see no difference there. And I would imagine on a really strong PC platform, which I was deliberately not using for these experiments because I wanted to get some, I wanted to be able to sense the relative performance of these things. That's how I was able to determine that Parallels for its $49 is faster than VMware server or even virtual machine, uh, virtual PC, which is free, it's faster on the on the platform where I was doing all of that common testing. I have uh, some. I'll run some of the standard benchmarks, but I have some other benchmarks uh, that are CPU bound that I might run. For instance, uh, I have a chess program called Junior, which is I think the current world champion uh, chess program, and it has a benchmarking. It's a multi. I have the multiprocessor enabled version, and it has a benchmarking feature, and uh, that's C, that's pure CPU. So I'll bet I'll bet that wouldn't give you a really like like a, a user experience. No, it's very synthetic, you, but it might be an interesting to see how the CPUs run compared. It would be to it, it would be interesting. Yes, it would be interesting to see, or it would, it would be interesting to verify that no CPU power is lost yes. in the virtual machine. I mean, we know I, that there's other issues, of course, with the overall speed. But CPU is yeah, the one you're worried about, right? Because it, it that, seems yes, it, it, it seems to be well. I think UI is is the more perceptible difference. Right, I mean, right. I I wouldn't want to do any, you know, um, uh, you know, intensive UI stuff on in, in a virtual machine where you know just dragging windows around and right, resizing right, things right. and 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 scrolling my browser was a lot slower. And those are very demanding. And of course, the how well the graphics card is is emulated is a, is a key uh, feature in the performance. And uh, yes. you know that is one of the things I check almost immediately is I click the start menu. How fast do I see that menu? Uh, I do a deal a few hands in solitaire. Things like that are really good ways to kind of get a gauge how yep. responsive it is. And I have to say, Parallels, as far as I'm concerned, feels as responsive as Windows. And you're right. That's the main issue. Whether you, get, you lose 20% in your chess calculations is secondary to whether you can actually use a responsive computer. Yes, and um, essentially for people who are browsing, certainly the UI is the UI performance is important. I would expect 
no CPU power reduction in a virtual machine because, you know, the CPU is the thing they have most in common between right. the virtual environment and the host environment. I guess you're testing what that the layer uh, between you and the processor and how much of that is... Uh, yes, is and most of, most of that abstraction layer, as it's termed, is... I.O. and device-oriented. It is, you know, we're, we're virtualizing the SAN. We're virtualizing right. USB and the Ethernet adapter and, and the graphics card. So it's the I.O., which is where the virtual machine boundary intersects the host machine environment. Right, 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 right. That's kind, anyway, of, that's kind of what you, I wanted to look at. Anyway, yeah. this will be fun uh, to, to tell. I'll give you some uh, benchmark results. I'll see if I can download... Uh, one of the standard benchmarks and just give you some benchmark results. Because, I mean, given that I'm throwing so much CPU at this thing and so much memory, it should be as fast as my standalone Windows machines. That's yep. my hope. I mean, what I did is I, I bought a large 30-inch monitor. Because right now I run side-by-side Windows and, PC, uh, and Mac. Uh, and the, the editing software is running on Windows and the recording software is running on Windows. But Skype's running on the Mac. I do all the editing on Windows. But I do a lot of the production of the website. On the, and what I'd like to do is put it all in one window. And have a Windows visual, you know, view in that window and a Mac view in that window and do them both together. Yep. It would be very interesting to see how this works. Yep. I'm excited. Well, it's, it's really nice technology that has arrived. And for anyone who's a Mac user, take a look at Parallels. Everything from Parallels has a 15-day free right. trial. Right. You, you register on their site, and they give you one of those you know, humongous uh, keys that Microsoft first popularized, you know, four, uh, five groups of four characters and digits. And you, you drop that in, and it just it immediately authorizes your system with a, a 15-day trial. Um, I bought this stuff because, uh, you know, like you, Leo, I really expect to be using it. The yeah. idea of being able to easily fire up Windows. Oh, and I ought to also comment that, and I, and I haven't mentioned, one other feature, a common feature of all of these is you're able to pause the running windows very much like you know windows can be put into standby or into hibernate you're able to do that with any of these operating yeah. systems so yeah. so you you could pause a free bsd for example that doesn't have that sort of a standby feature and what it does is it just saves the state of the entire machine in a file which you're able to 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 resume and it's often the case that resuming a booted instance of windows is much faster, much faster. <laughs> than 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 firing up a, a blank oh, virtual yeah. machine and then and then booting windows in that virtual machine and imagine having uh, you know three windows open at once running three different operating systems uh, i mean that's just uh, really kind of nirvana of course you have to have yeah. a lot of memory for that you really do and yeah. you know and and, and again I, I sort of i think about about the profile of you know of of young hackers uh, you know white hat hackers good guy hackers who are just interested in experimenting with right. this and, and 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 for them vmware server that does give you all these features. That is a mature product and free. Lets you create these these virtual environments and install any operating system you can find. Steve, once again, a great subject. Uh, I I don't think anybody minds hearing more about virtualization. Uh, and of course, whenever a topic is worth talking about, Steve, that's the great thing about podcasts. We will take as long as we need to cover it. Well, it, it is it is clearly something which is moving to the fore yeah. as yeah. our hardware supports it to a to a greater and greater degree, 
and from a security standpoint, it provides the most f- robust form of protection you can get without using an entirely physically separate machine. Right. You know, that's one step further, but it's much less convenient to do so. And uh, I mean, it offers so many f- um, f- features and flexibilities for like running other operating systems. And you know, VMware also has those appliances that are ready-made, launchable, open source, free. Um, appliances that you're able to run in their free server or in their workstation pla- uh, platform. Yeah, that would like, be an argument you know, to buy VMware. That's kind of a neat thing that VMware's done. Yes. Is it, it, it now just uh, retouching the speed issue? Is it really, really, really much faster to use Parallels, or are they are they close enough that some of these other advantages of VMware might push you in that direction? Um, I love the I appliance would, idea. Yes, I do too. And my feeling is. That the machine I was testing on was underpowered for okay. running virtual machines. Okay. All of them were 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 sluggish, and clearly I was in a containment environment. Right, right. However, um, I have a much faster machine where I where I have VMware um, workstation installed. The one I was talking about, where I was installing the various software firewalls, right, right. and I'm sure there's I, I don't feel any VM overhead. On that platform. So if you've got a state-of-the-art machine with, for example, two gigs of memory versus one gig um, and and plenty of hard drive space, I think the VMware solution is fine, of course. And and they have announced, uh, they announced at the most recent Mac Developers Conference, VMware said they would be moving over to the Mac. Yeah, I signed up immediately. So, uh, yeah. We don't know if it'll be free or commercial or what the pricing. I would imagine you probably will. It'll be be worth it. And uh, I I will certainly buy a copy of that as well. And I'll I'll, I'll give you a report, at least from the Mac side, because that's probably where I'm going to do it. Uh, That's where my, that's the most powerful machine I have right now. So yes, I would say on a strong machine, as long if you don't want all the fancy cloning, checkpointing, branching, forking, right. you know, fallback stuff that is patented and is available only in the entire industry, only in VMware's workstation product, then and if you're if you have no interest at the moment in the Mac side, then VMware Server is a great solution. And That's as free. I said, correcting correcting my mistake before, they don't default to those other devices, the right. sound and USB, but it's at is readily addable right from the get go when when you're uh, setting up your any virtual machine uh, from scratch. VM World is coming up in November uh, at the LA Convention Center. I have a feeling you may be there. <laughs> and have an update. Be really fun to see what's going on. Wouldn't that be fun? On. I might come yeah. down to join you. <laughs> yeah, cool. That'd be fascinating. Steve, once again, a great show. Thank you so much. We want to thank our uh, sponsors for making this show possible. And the, there are a number of sponsors. This is our last week uh, for Visa. We do thank them. It's been a, a great month of September. Visa was, as 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 many ads agencies are doing and many companies are doing now, testing podcasting to see if it uh, gives them the kind of results they want. Uh, you know we've been talking all month long about Visa, Visa security, why it's better to use your Visa card online. Uh, certainly when I make purchases, I, I use my Visa, and we encourage you to keep doing so. And when you get a chance, when you get a chance, take the uh, survey we're going to put on our site uh, to see how well these Visa ads worked. Remember the slogan, safer, better money, life and twit takes Visa. Also, I uh, want to thank Dell. Dell's going to be with us for a lot longer. Uh, Dell is... Uh, 
a sponsor of uh, this show and Twit and Inside the Net. And, and uh, you can find out more about our great Dell deals. What we've done, because we can't, these podcasts live on so long, we can't really quote a price on, on Dell equipment because uh, who knows what it'll be in next month or in six months. So what we do is we send you to the webpage. Dell uh, has a special Leo's Picks page at twit.tv slash Dell. Twit.tv slash Dell. And right now on the page, the Dell Dimension B110, a great Vista-compatible computer for an amazing, an amazing price. And uh, if you're looking for a laptop, the Inspiron, um, or Inspiron, depending on your point of view, E1405. Dual core for... Uh, Again, an amazing price. Just check it out. Twit.tv. I can't. It's, I hard. I, it's, it's hard. It's not hard to say not. It. <laughs> uh, the price is so low. It, I really want it, but I can't because it, it, it may change. So go to twit.tv slash Dell and you'll see. And, uh, and then I hope you will consider Dell for your next PC. Certainly, uh, that's what we're going to do. Uh, we're buying new PCs at uh, Call for Help. And as always, we're, we're using Dells. We also want to thank. I'm doing them all at once here. Let's, let's, uh, let's get it all out of the way. The Starro. The great Astaro, who's been with security now from the very beginning. I, I really appreciate our relationship with Astaro because um, they early on uh, came forward and said, we, we want to support security now. They've never asked us how many people listen. They've, we, they, just, they just believe in the show and they wanted to keep it on the air. And boy, that, that just really feels great. So, well, and for what it's worth, it's about 100,000 listeners, right? Oh yeah, I mean they're getting their money's worth. Believe me. Or no, w- w- was it 120? I can't last remember time. what the last number is. Yeah, but I, th- I think it, it had gone up a little bit since our last uh, yeah. our last check. As it turns out, if they w- were to ask for numbers, they would get be getting a better deal than they thought. But they don't ask, and I kind of I kind of appreciate that. They they just believe in the show. Uh, if you want to know about a star software, uh, you can get by the way as a listener a free demo in your office of uh, the amazing Astaro gateways. There's a a gateway to fit all of your needs budget and price wise you get security you get uh, uh, firewalling uh, anti-spam antivirus uh, really a powerful package uh, you might want to give a starro a ring to find out more ast or you can go online astaro.com that's the uh, that's the website and the phone number is it will come up here in just a second i don't i don't have it right off the top of my head here it is or you can call them 877-4-ASTARO. That's 877-4-A-S-T-A-R-O to schedule your free trial of an Astaro security gateway appliance in your business. Thank you very much to Dell, to Visa, to Astaro for uh, supporting uh, security. Now, normally we will not do uh, three ads in one podcast, by the way. <laughs> don't, don't, don't freak out, folks. Uh, that, was a, that was just an accident. This is the one podcast, Steve, where everybody wants to be on it. Well, you I'm glad. Be proud of yourself. Yeah, we uh, we certainly give it our best. <laughs> Everybody wants to be on security now. Steve's uh, uh, show notes and uh, a 16 kilobit version for the bandwidth challenged are online at his website grc.com, the Gibson Research Corporation. Uh, that's where you'll also find Shields Up and all of his free security programs, and of course the ultimate hard drive recovery and maintenance utility. Everybody. If you've got a hard drive, you ought to have Spinrite, S-P-I-N-R-I-T-E. Uh, if you want more information and some testimonials, spinrite.info or just go to grc.com. That's the home of Steve Gibson and Spinrite. How are those CSS menus working for you? Um, actually, I've been um, 
getting ready to get back to that. I've uh, I haven't yet deployed them site wide, but the the page that we talked about um, really has been popular. Last time oh. I looked, about eight hundred and fifty people a day wow. were, lo- were, lo- were looking at at that menu page. I so. have to when I see we're going to go down to a podcast expo um, a week from uh, uh, from today actually because I'm going oh, down to do right. podcast academy on Thursday. I'm going to lecture at the podcast academy. I think there are still a few seats there. Uh, there's a banner on the uh, Twit homepage, twit.tv, if you're interested. And then uh, Podcast Expo, uh, we're going down there. Steve, was, we, we ought to tell people about it, Leo, yeah. in case we've got we have come li- see listeners us. who want to come by. Yeah, Come see us. It's uh, in Ontario, California. It'll be uh, Friday the 29th and Saturday the 30th of September. Then uh, you and I will both be there on Friday, Friday only. Friday only, yeah. I'm, yep. I have to come back and do the radio show. Uh, but I'm doing the keynote. You know who's uh, following me in the keynote? I'm kind of excited. The producer of... Um, yeah, Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. I'm so excited. So uh, this will be a chance for me to... Uh, you know, I just started watching it, and I've been loving it. I'm a fanatic now. So Ron Moore... And one of the reasons Ron's there is because they've been very forward-looking, uh, putting Battlestar Galactica online and so forth. So he'll be talking about that. But I was just going to say, when I'm down there, Steve, and we're doing a, a live podcast at 2 o'clock from the exhibit hall on the main stage there. But when right. I'm down there, I have a new book that uh, I just got from O'Reilly... Uh, CSS, the missing manual, the book that should have been in the box. Maybe I'll give this to you. And he, I'd love to yeah, because I think you. I think you need to. Uh, <laughs> now that you actually understand C- CSS better than most, it'd be kind of fun for you to see what what they're saying about it. And it is a it is Whoa. a it is spaghetti. Yes. Yep. So uh, I'll be talking about podcasting's terrible twos. <laughs> Very cool. That will be uh, nine o'clock in the morning on Friday, and uh, and actually the the timing of the um, the Battlestar guy is is great too because this Friday, uh, I mean tomorrow is the season finale of both Stargate SG One <clears throat> and Stargate Atlantis, and Battlestar starts up with its two point well, five episode. Two point five. I was gonna say it's like they're they're like they have a funny season number. Yeah, season yeah. two point five, which is bizarre. Uh, I'm just catching up. I'm finishing up season one, and I'm. I'm going to catch up with season two and then I'll be ready. But it's, it's boy, is that a great show? It is. Really you know who good. told me about it? Megan Maroney and her really? husband, Marco? They're big fans. And I said, wait a minute. You mean the one with the little robot and the guy and the cheesy side? No, 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 no. Not the original Battlestar Galactica, the new one. And then I started, I watched the uh, miniseries. Oh, boy. Oh, yep. is that a good show? Yeah. Love it. But that's uh, that's not an ad. We're just talking. <laughs> that's just us. That's just us. Podcastexpo.com or just go to twit.tv uh, for uh, a link to that. And uh, I hope we'll see you there. It'll be fun to see everybody out there. I also want to mention that our new Windows Vista podcast launches tomorrow. Paul Therott of winsupersite.com and Windows IT Pro, one of the, I think, probably the best Windows guy out there. Because he's honest, he's outspoken, he really tells it like it is, will be our host. It's going to be very much in the format of security now. Paul and I will be talking about issues in Windows. In fact, I think our, at Windows, I think our first show will be a review of RC1 and Vista. Uh, from time to time, interviews, though. Uh, in fact, one of our plans is to get Jim Alchin, uh, as he leaves yeah. Microsoft, his exit interview. So that's going to be a fun podcast. We don't know what we're going to call it yet, but you'll find out tomorrow when we release it. All right, enough business. Time to say goodbye and thank you, Steve, and I'll see you next Thursday. Always a pleasure, Leo. Take care. Thanks for joining us. This is Leo Laporte. We'll see you next time on Security Now. Security Now.